Good evening. Today is Wednesday, November 3rd, and we are studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is Working with Others, Step 12, and our speaker tonight is Amy B. Thank you so much, Amy B. Thank you, Victoria, and thank you, Robin, Team Wednesday for November. I really appreciate your service, and thanks, everybody, for your service tonight, including the service of showing up and being part of this community and this collective, because we are all um, sharing a common disease and a common solution. So it's wonderful to see you all tonight. And it really is such um, a privilege to speak on this chapter and this step um, because it really is the core of everything. And I just, I wanna jump right into it. Chapter seven, working with others, page 89. Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics or immunity from compulsive food behaviors as intensive work with other compulsive disordered eaters. It works when all other activities fail. All other activities includes the other steps for me. That's been my experience, a recent experience, a very fresh experience where I was just um, uh, processing, working, working the steps on things, taking inventories, really looking in six and seven and trying to, to turn um, towards divine guidance, um, working 10 and 11. And um, I, I, I was stuck. I was just stuck no matter how much I um, prayed or meditated or, or inventoried or, or any of that, I, I was stuck. Um, and during that time, the thing that kept me feeling grounded kept me from getting too lost in the funhouse mirrors in my head was speaking with all of you, was picking up the phone and finding my people and seeing somebody else who was going on and seeing if I could like read the book with them, point to something in it that might be what both of us need to hear in that moment. So that sentence right up top, it works when all other activities fail. Uh, it, it has worked for me when, even when I, I, I'm not saying the steps didn't work because they did eventually, but sometimes, you know, takes time. Sometimes the divine guidance is unclear. And that means just hold hold your position for a moment until it does become clear. And uh, that kind of, you know, step 11, which we just came from, talks about our thought life being placed on a higher plane. I can, my, my thought life, um, when I don't, when I'm not quite clear on which way to go can be um, difficult to sit in. And working with others gets me right on out of that. Um, so if you are in the steps earlier than step 12, there is, it, it truly is the, a, 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 a higher level of living. Um, and, and of course, we can work with others. We don't have to be recovered to work with others. Um, 
and and have and get the benefit from that. But this chapter is is about what happens after eleven, and it leads right into it at the end of eleven on eighty eight, um, when we're when our when our thought life has been placed on that higher plane of existence, which is one of the promises of step 11, um, we become much more efficient. Top of 88, we do not tire so easily for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. And so we have all of this extra time. We're, we're more efficient. We're not burning up energy. So the next chapter is devoted entirely to step 12 um, action and more action. And we have, we have, um, it leads right in as every step does, which, which is another thing that I love about this book. Okay. So, so that was the first thing that I wanted to talk about was, was um, working with others. It's the reason why it's mentioned for, it's the only step really mentioned in the doctor's first note in the doctor's opinion, right up at the top. Um, right up at the top where on a XXV, where it says, as part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to pre present his conceptions to other alcoholics, impressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others. That's right at the top of the book. And it's because, um, you know, th this is the thing. This is the thing that not only keeps us recovered, but it keeps us recovered to, to help get others recovered um, and provide the, the fellowship and the community that we need to stay recovered. Because I'm going to throw back to the book in the early pages again for a second to uh, the, the forward to the second edition, page XIX says at the top, AAs had to hang together or die separately. We need this fellowship to be here. We need this community to be here. That means carrying the message and connecting with each other. It's why it's the must. It's because it's because we we hang together or we die separately. Um, we, we need God to guide us and we need each other um, to help remind us of that because I know for me the fun house mirrors in my head can uh, can really do a number on me. Um, okay back to the actual chapter we're studying at the bottom of 89 to be helpful is our only aim and i think about that a lot when i sponsor and i've learned a lot about sponsoring and there have been people that i've sponsored early on um who i uh I, i'm sure being helpful was my aim but i but i the sentence before that is is never criticize and i did a, a lot of criticizing and um you know, with my aim being helpful, it's it's good to have this reminder in the book that working with others is not about criticizing. It's about um, standing next to each other um, in the work that we share, um, in the experience that we've that we've encountered together. Um, okay. Here's a, here's a big one. So working with others, and I'm not even going to talk about sponsorship in this moment. I'm going to talk about um, something that happened. Uh, I was taking a big book workshop with uh, Lori C a few months ago, six months ago, something like that. And somebody had asked him, what do you say when you're like out with people or whatever, and you whip out your scale or you ask how many ounces something is, you ask about ingredients and they, what do you say to people like that. And he um, said, well, you know, you could, you can make light, you can make a sort of comment or like an offhand joke, like, you know, oh, I, 
or, or, or an excuse with regards to, you know, allergies, some kind of dismissive kind of thing. And he said, um, but what I have taken to saying is, oh, well, actually, I, you know, have struggled with addiction when it comes to compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors. And um, I was very, very sick. And through a 12-step program, I got recovered and my life is amazing. And so there are certain things that I do to, to watch it. But if you know anybody who, who, who you think would be helped by hearing about this, feel free to give them my number. And like, that's what he says. And I will say a, a personal experience that I had, I was in a space with somebody where they were talking and I was showing them from some photos from a trip I had taken to LA to see other fellows. And I was showing photos of we had all been out to dinner and it was just wonderful. And then I flipped to the next one and it was a photograph of, I did a, a talk for the inner group with three compulsive overeaters and we sort of were all together set up and somebody had taken a photo of it. So we're sitting on the couch and I'm on one side and the three of them are there and there's a microphone in the middle. And the person said, that's so funny. It looks like you're interviewing them. And I paused for a second like a millimeter of a second with that, oh, I'll just make an excuse, like, oh, haha, and flip to the next photo. And in that moment, I thought, I'm in a place where a couple of people could hear this next sentence. So I said, actually, I was, I was out there for, um, to do, you know, for a bunch of reasons, but one of the things was to do a, a podcast, a, a Zoom event for the 12 step program I'm in, I'm recovering from compulsive overeating. And, you know, I was out there to do, to do a live event with some people and it was awesome. And it was really cool. And the person said, Oh, you're, how long have you been in recovery? And I said a little over three years and they were like, Oh, interesting. And, and, and the conversation moved on. And a month later, the person texted me and said, it's taken me this long to, to, to ask you about this, but I'd never heard anybody admit to having this much less to being in recovery. And I'm scared, but will you talk to me? So working with others can just be by that's practicing these principles in all our affairs, right? That's carrying the message wherever we go of recovery. Um, and you never know, you never know who's going to hear it or who's going to say it or what seeds that we plant. And that does carry over to sponsorship because sometimes we're working with people and sometimes for whatever reason, they relapse, they're not ready. They work with somebody else, they, whatever, whatever, but we plant seeds and hopefully those seeds are ones that are non-judgmental and accepting because those you know, might sprout someday. Um, and then they know to come back. So this describe yourself as an alcoholic on the bottom of 91, that whole story was for that phrase of a sentence, describe yourself as an alcoholic. Carrying the message is can be as simple as identifying outside of the rooms in a casual way. It's I, I, I would have never like, ne like I didn't tell my parents I was in recovery for two years and now I'm saying it randomly out in the world.
crazy, right? I mean, wonderful, wonderful. Because it also means that I'm at peace with being a compulsive overeater or a compulsive overeater living in a recovered state today. Thank you to this program and my higher power and all of you. Um, okay. I, uh, okay. Um, let's see. Uh, top of, uh, top of 92. Uh, if he is alcoholic, he will understand you at once. And that's sort of the tag that goes with that story. The person who needs to hear will know exactly from, a, from, from just a mention, from just identifying, from identifying peacefully without shame. Um, and I did say to the person, backing up a little bit, I did say to them, um, you know, it's funny, I, I paused for a second before I told you that, but then I realized I never know who might hear me. And, you know, maybe somebody could be helped because I didn't know that, that there was a different way for me to live beforehand. So, you know, and when, when she did speak, she was like, when you said, I never know who, who might need to hear it. It was like, you were talking to me and it wasn't me. Of course it was, you know, that divine spirit that, you know, connects us all just putting me in the right place at the right time with the willingness in the moment to say something that I never had before. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just beautiful little things out of working with others that we do not need to formally sponsor. There's no, as others have mentioned, there's no mention of the word sponsor in the 164 pages working with others is about walking side by side, like experiencing life together as people who are um, trying to trying to do our best to grow along spiritual lines, as it says on page 60. Not perfect, not saints, but trying to grow spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. I'm just going to like every other chapter. All right. Um, uh, uh, 93, top of 93, stress the spiritual feature freely. Kind of raised an eyebrow at this at the beginning um, because I that was something that was a, a, a mistaken, but, but um, pause for me at the beginning when I came in. But uh, I, I've come to realize that other people might think that as well. And if I say it's it's been a beautiful spiritual ex growing experience in a way that I never thought that I um, would be open to having that, that I think that too falls upon um, the ears that need to hear it, right? Um, so yeah, so, so I think that, uh, this chapter does a really good job of spelling out an instruction manual on how to talk to people. Um, and, and there's stuff in 95, the, the tough stuff about being through and, and talking to people, whether it's as a sponsor, sponsee, or just seeing them in meetings. Amy, you have this, five more minutes. Thank you so much, Kelly. This place about, you know, um, if he's not interested in your solution, if he expects you to act only as a banker for his financial difficulties or a nurse for his sprees or a shoulder for his vent sessions, you may have to drop him until he changes his mind. This he may do after he gets hurt some more. Like, 
you know, we must always be loving, but, but life outside of the solution sometimes isn't. And, um, that's why we have to continue to be loving. Um, I, I of course have more flags than I think I'm going to get to. Um, I love this chapter. I'm going to go to 98. The minute we put our work on a service plane and in this place, it's using the, we're doing things for the person we're working with, not service in, in the sense that we often use it, but like um, it, it's not the matter of giving that's in question, but when and how to give. So the minute we put it on a service plane, like I'm doing it for you. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll ex the alcoholic commences to rely upon our assistance rather than upon God, a sponsor, a fellow, a, a person that we hear at, at meetings. None of those people are the ones that this book are meant to tell us to rely on working with others. The point is to say, you know, we get together and remind each other to turn to something bigger than ourselves. So one of the things that I do say when I'm working with somebody sponsoring them is I say, I don't work for you and I don't work on you, but I will work with you. Like we're, we're here to in it together. So that's what I feel like that sentence is saying. We're not working for you or on you. So, so if that happens, then the person starts to depend on me and I'm a, I'm a gutter compulsive overeater. Like I am not. And we all are. That's the point. That's that's how we all got here. Um, no, no human power. And then I have starred in my book further down into the page of 98. Burn the idea into the conscious consciousness of any person that they can get well, regardless of anyone. The only condition is that they trust in God and clean house. You can get well, regardless of who your sponsor is. You can get well, regardless of who your parent is, your spouse is, your child is, your boss is. You can get well, regardless of anyone. I've heard it said that if you're, if you're not ready to be honest and willing and have the humility and do the work, then Bill W himself could come back from the dead and sponsor you and you won't get recovered. And if you are ready and willing, you could be sponsored by a lawn chair and you will get recovered. I, I, you know, I, it's, it's not about a sponsor. It's not about our circumstances. And then it says again on the bottom of 99 to echo on that, let no alcoholic say he cannot recover unless unless anything. Let nobody say I can't recover unless, unless this gets better, unless this problem goes away, unless this situation gets easier. There's never going to be an unless. That's life on life term, life on life's terms. The only thing that's going to keep us from recovering is ourselves. And, and, and I paused for a second before I said that, but I, I, I think that's what it says in the book. And I believe I believe that I'm just going to hit on a little bit more before we go on a hundred follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. That is a really, really bold promise. And it's following the dictates of a higher power. So when it says, let somebody say that they can't recover unless dot, 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 unless anything, 
it's you can't recover unless you're not willing to follow the dictates of a higher power entirely. And then at the end of it, the very last italicized sentence of this chapter, after all, our problems were of our own making. The food was only a symbol. Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. We have to. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll end by saying that uh, sort of how I started, which is the working with others as someone who is sharing experience and someone who is asking questions to hear somebody else's experience. Sorry, is um has been has been life saving in ways when um I just felt, you know, stuck or struggling or or anything else. Um, so I'm real, really, really grateful. Um, for every for every phone call, for every face, on every meeting, for every text, um, and 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 just for for this community and this program that binds us together in a common solution. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing from all of you. Thank you so much for letting me do service. I pass. Thank you so much, Amy B. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. And the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. All right, we have Redmilla and then Angela after. Go ahead, Redmilla. Hi, I'm Redmilla, Composite Operator, Berlin Exit. I have a question. Um, I, was, I got on the 12 step and I relapsed. And I, I don't know if I had higher expectations, but I was like, so this is it. Like, where's my happiness, freedom, and joy? I didn't get any of them. And yeah, that's, that is my question. Like, am I expected to be, to feel, to have these things when once I'm done with the steps or they're coming slower, like along the road? Thank you, Radmila. That's a great question. Um, and here's my answer. Being recovered means that I don't turn to food to solve my problems. Being recovered means that I have a um, instruction manual to deal with um, the, the, the discomfort, um, with, with anger, with fear, with all of that stuff that gets me through it in a way that I don't have to hurt myself with food and I don't have to hurt myself or anybody else with my behavior. And if I do, I back it up and I, and I clean it up. That has caused a lot more ease and happiness in my life. I, I don't think anywhere in this um, book does it promise that all of our problems will go away. I mean, when it talks about trudging the road of happy destiny, 
It's that, you know, we trudge. I mean, life is life on life's terms. It says it right there. Like it's not, it's not going to be easy. There are a lot of promises of ease and happiness and a new freedom. And um, I will tell you that for me, that has meant that I don't burn things down when things don't go my way. It's meant that like, I don't, I don't destroy relationships when I'm sad. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't believe the fun house mirrors in my head as much, or at least I recognize that they're fun house mirrors. Um, and somebody said to me in the rooms once, and it's, I repeat it all the time. Um, you know, you're, you're working the steps. It'll be okay. And even if it's not okay, you'll be okay. Things are not always okay, but I can be okay. I can keep from burning it all down. And that is a life beyond my wildest dreams because I never thought that I could be okay when things weren't okay. Couldn't have even conceived or dreamed of that. And um, the working with others part keeps it present, keeps me remembering um, the pain of, of um, being in the food and it, and it, and it keeps me from being alone because man, I can do some damage really just to my own head and heart when I'm alone. And then it just means that I'm, I'm a walking, I'm, I'm a walking uh, tornado, I guess. I hope that answers your question. Thank you. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for your question, Redmilla. Next, we have Angela, followed by Rewrite Recovery. Hey, everyone. I'm Angela. Um, I am a recovering uh, compulsive overeater. Uh, I just so loved what I heard tonight. Uh, thank you, everybody, for doing service. Um, Amy, it just is so uh, inspiring to hear your words of wisdom uh, I loved, you know, this idea of carrying the message and beginning to speak my truth. Uh, and I don't know that I would be able to be this truthful and this vulnerable if it wasn't for this newfound uh, reliance and belief and faith in something greater than myself. Um, you know, I've had uh, an opportunity recently to speak at a couple of meetings in my other uh, program, and I just can't pretend that this is not affecting my recovery in that room also, right? And so I've been honest about, you know, my process here. And although some people have um, approached me and, and said that I'm violating some traditions, um, it's my truth, you know, and it's where I'm at. And uh, I've had two different people uh, come up to me and call me um, and tell me uh, their problems with food because of it. So I just love the fact that, you know, and I'm imagining what this might look like for Thanksgiving with my family, you know, because I might just, uh, I, I might just do what, what I heard, you know, is that I might just be honest about it. It'll, the room will clear and I'm sure it'll get quiet, um, but it could be a really interesting thing. And I'm always, I've always been the black sheep anyway, right? So, you know, 
anybody, you know, anything could be expected from Angela, right? But like, I'm just like really trying to picture like, what would that look like if I was honest about it? Like, stop pushing that stuff in my face because that's what they're going to end up doing. But I feel like my feet are steady, you know, I'm grounded. I don't think I'm going to be tempted by any of it. And um, so I just, I love carrying the message. I love speaking my truth. And like I said, you know, like everybody here is just modeling what it's like to do that. And I want to be in this herd and in this herd. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. Next we have Rewrite Recovery followed by Victoria. Hi, I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, after I share, my friend Maggie's here and she's gonna share as well. Um, I don't really have much to say. Um, my sponsor asked me to share in meetings. And so I said I would, I'm trying to follow direction. Um, it's really scary for me to share. It's hard for me. Um, everything so far has been hard calling people, um, uh, sharing anything that has to do with other people is really scary for me. And I wrote down something that you said, you said, we hang together, we die separately. And that kind of like explained to me the reason um, that my sponsor is having me do this, because I, if I'm just going to stay by myself, I'm just going to end up going back to the food and that will cause me to die. So I, I see it and I'm starting to see it working. I've been making outreach calls. I've been going to meetings and sharing for a couple of weeks now. And I, I look forward to just um, having the rest of the promises come true for me. So thank you for letting me share. Okay, and this is Maggie, um, also a compulsive overeater. Hi, Evie. Um, what stood out to me was what you said about um, just carrying the message by identifying as a compulsive overeater. Honestly, that never even occurred to me. Um, I have discussed it in great detail with my sponsor and what we sort of arrived upon was I was gonna say, I have allergies, I have food allergies because that's true, right? I have an allergy of the body. Um, but it's not really the whole truth. Um, and I, it just never occurred to me that I could just say um, who and what I am. Um, and it comes up all the time. My coworkers know that Maggie eats weird. Um, and just yesterday, one of them was like, they, I mean, they were offering food and just to be nice, they were like, I know you're not gonna eat it, but would you like to eat it even though I know you're not going to? And I was like, nope, I'm not going to. Um, and there are just a million opportunities for me to say, actually, this is the reason why I don't eat that stuff. And I was thinking about it because the person who said that she's in a larger body and who knows, maybe she's also a compulsive eater, but maybe she's um, you know, the moderate or heavy eater, as we say. Um, and you talked about funhouse mirrors. And one of the things I think is that there's, there's no way anybody else I know could be a compulsive overeater because they're nice, they're pleasant, and I'm an asshole. Um, and so, yeah, you just said funhouse mirrors so many times and you helped me dispel some of my own yesterday. Um, so I wanted to say it out loud. Like, I'm afraid to call recovered people. I'm afraid that they're going to say, in their head, like, oh, like Maggie again, like this, this person, I like working with others, but not this one. This is the one other who I never want to work with. Um, so yeah, I just, I really walk through the world in self-centered fear. And I want to be like Lori. I want to be like one of those people who can just say, this is why I don't eat that food. This is why I weigh and measure that's carrying the message. So I just really appreciate what you shared tonight and for all your help this week with the wedding and 
and not my wedding, <laughs> someone else's wedding. Um, and thank you guys for being here. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you both. Next, we have Victoria followed by moi. I love that we're both taking taking a turn in here. I I just couldn't not. Um, hi, I'm Victoria. I'm a recovered compulsive reader and insulin manipulator. This meeting is so badass. I love it. Um, one thing that is coming up for me that I feel called to say, just forget about it if it's not useful, but I also think it's okay, right? Like if we're not ready to put it on the rooftop, like that's totally okay. Because I, something my first sponsor told me was actually about a different part of my life that I sometimes struggle with being honest about, but she told me, you know what, there's a difference between something being a secret and it being private. Like we're like secrets kill me, but privacy is a boundary that sometimes can be very healthy for me. So just wanted to throw that out there, but I do have a question. Um, Amy, thank you so much. I loved that you talked about the banker and the house, like becoming the housing person and becoming the banker. I, I haven't found myself in those roles. I personally, I'm very outgoing. I like being friendly with my sponsees. It doesn't come natural for me to just be very removed and distant, but I find myself doing a disservice over time and getting more into the friend or the therapy role or the listener. And I find it very hard sometimes to then switch back and say like, that's great, but I don't need to hear the story because we're going to go back to the step work. Um, I don't know if you have experience with that, but I would love to hear anything you have to offer around that because this passage has come up for me recently this week and I would love to hear other insights. Thank you so much, Victoria. And I do um, agree that, uh, you know, there, there is a distinction and, and, and we all, we all have our own truths and our own, uh, comfort levels in this, in this, uh, there is no one way to do any of this. Um, with regards to what you said about, um, the, the friendliness versus the step work with sponsees. So yeah, I've gotten very friendly with a lot of my sponsees. Um, you know, we get to know each other and all of that other stuff, but, um, when we're working the steps, especially like before they're recovered, like it's, a you know, Hey, how are you? Great. Where were we? Where are we starting? What was the assignment? Where are you in this? Do you have any questions? Did you listen to the X? Did you like jump in right in? And there's, I will admit, like, as the time goes on, I'll find myself sometimes, like, sometimes I'm a little flustered and something goes on and I'll be like, Oh, it's just that X, Y, Z. And then before I know we're having a conversation, I'm like, Oh, wait, step work. And I do try and pull it back. But um, for the most part, like when I feel like the sponsee is being more casual in the conversation, I will often say something like, look, as Amy, 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 your friend who likes hanging out with you in meetings would love to talk about this. That's not what this time is for. We're here to talk about the big book. We're here to talk about the step work. And I would love to look at the calendar and have like Zoom coffee with you sometime and chat all about it. Let's see if we can schedule that, but that's not this time. And um, I know a lot of people who will do, I mean, I love the Zoom coffee date um, or tea or water or whatever, abstinent 
beverage of choice. Um, but uh, I also know a lot of people will do like little group ones, like little group hangs and stuff like that. And that's a nice way for us to sort of socialize in a smaller community. Like sometimes if you're sponsoring a couple of people or like, you know, you and a friend plus each of your sponsees get together and chat about, you know, stuff in a recovery kind of mindset, but chatting, right? The kind of things that I think evolve a little bit with my, with my sponsees. And then once we're recovered, we'll check in. I'll say, you know, like what's going on with you? How are things? How are your relationships? And that's where it kind of blends because the idea is like, you know, are, are you using this? Are you doing a 10 step when you're disturbed? Are you sponsoring? Like, how's your meditation practice? Anything new? Like those kinds of things. So it's chattier, but it's about the steps. I hope that was helpful in some way. Thank you so much for the question. Thank you for that answer. And just right before we go back to Robin, I'll just ask that we uh, stop the recording so that we can have time for unrecorded shares.